Street Pizza Podcast. And today is awesome because we have our first journalist slash writer, um, Mr. Eric Ginsberg. He actually gave me a little course of uh, how to pronounce his name, so <laughs> and I passed. <laughs> and I passed with, with flying colors. How are you doing, dude? Good. How are you, man? Good. Um, he is the co-founder of Triad City Beat, so this is great. He's worked with Amplifier before, so this is extra special. Um, cool, yeah. So let's jump right into it. Um, obviously, you are a writer and journalist for Triad City Beat. I'm sure that's going pretty well. Yeah. It's a pretty known publication around here. It's uh, it's been three and a half years since we started the paper, mm-hmm. uh, and I get to do a lot of fun things through it. So awesome. you just said this morning you were on a golf course doing a <laughs> doing a piece. He was he said he was not playing golf, but I I'm was sure. not. He, was, he definitely was. <laughs> but cool. Picker, picker, it didn't happen, man. You can't, you can't prove it. <laughs> cool. So let's jump back before this started. Um, tell us about yourself. Uh, where you born and raised, or um, what you do. Do you just own the paper, or do you freelance stuff, or just, you know, whatever? So I grew up in Wellesley, Massachusetts, which is about 30 minutes from Boston. It's where Wellesley College, the, the women's school is, where Hillary Clinton went to school. Oh, uh, doesn't doesn't mean I know her, but uh, <laughs> but I grew up there, and then I moved down to Greensboro to go to college. Uh, so that was uh, 11 years ago. I moved to Greensboro uh, as a first-year student at Guilford here and decided to stay after I finished. I had a job lined up, uh, at least temporarily, and uh, had really made a lot of connections in Greensboro, made a point to get off campus when I was a student, so I actually felt like I had some sense of belonging here. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't know that I wanted to be a journalist. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, I had... I've been involved in journalism and done various things related to journalism for mm-hmm. a long time, starting in high school, yeah. really. Uh, and I wrote um, off and on for the college newspaper uh, at Guilford um, more seriously my senior year. Mm-hmm. But when I graduated, I thought I wanted to be a community organizer. Uh, oh, wow. So I was actually working at a nonprofit, uh, had been doing that for about a year already, and kept working there when I graduated. And when my contract came uh, came up, it could have been renewed uh, the September after I graduated. And uh, I didn't say anything, and they didn't say anything. We both <laughs> were just kind of like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Thank you on both sides. But um, I had actually planned a cross-country road trip with my friends uh-huh. for right after that. So I drove across the country, took about a month to do it. That was great. Holy moly. Um, but towards the end of that trip, I started to realize like, damn, I have nothing lined up. I don't know what I want to do. Um, like, you know, for the first couple of weeks, it's like fun. These are like old friends of mine that yeah. don't live here. And, uh, you know, we're catching up and seeing places that I had never been to before. Um, but once we hit the West coast, it kind of sunk in that, you know, like I started seeing the end of the trip, oh. which meant thinking about what came after that. Oh no. <laughs> so, uh, You know, I did a, I've done a lot of different odd jobs and that's kind of what I did for a bit when I came back. And then I started applying for journalism internships and ended up interning at Yes Weekly newspaper and then also at North Carolina Public Radio uh, at the same time. And then I was, neither of those were giving me any money. I was working part time at a different nonprofit than I had worked at before um, that paid me pretty well, which helped me like support 
my like my ability to get into this right. industry um and yes weekly ended up hiring me after a long internship i worked there part-time for a little while and then was mm-hmm. hired full-time um so i was there for three years um and then jumped from that to try at city beat so that's kind of the like the quick and dirty of how i came to be sitting in front of you that's awesome so just jumping back so what so that's great so you went to school for a community managing yeah, so I actually have a degree in history. Oh, and so then your degree is actually in history. And then a minor in community and justice studies. Guilford doesn't even have a journalism degree oh, or anything. Oh, wow. So I took, there are two journalism classes there, and I took both of them. Right. But that, that I mean, it. that was it. Yeah. That was it. You say you dabbled in it in high school a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's insane how that came on, like, at the end of your road <laughs> trip. It's like, oh, I guess I'll apply for his internship at Yes Weekly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. How was the internship? What did you do there? Uh, I I really enjoyed both of those internships at the at the radio station and the newspaper. But um, what drew me to the newspaper was uh, the fact that I got to write things, mm-hmm. uh, and I was able to go pretty in depth with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoy audio and working with audio, and I've done stuff stuff with it since then. That's actually why I was on the golf course this morning was for a freelance audio piece. Right, but. Um, Print just allows you more space. Exactly. Uh, and that was why I got into journalism in the first place. You know, I've always been the kind of person who had a lot of things to say mm-hmm. and stories that I thought were important to uplift or um, share with people. And so, you know, during my internship, at least at the radio station, I was producing 45 second spots. Okay. And you know, we're sitting on a podcast. Obviously, there are longer audio yeah. formats. <laughs> um, even in public radio, there are longer pieces, of course. Um, but for what I was doing, it was very, very tight. You right. know, the scripts were five sentences long. Holy um, moly. And in the newspaper, I was writing, you know, anywhere from five to 800 words on average, sometimes longer. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated the chance to kind of dig deeper into the the background of a story or profiling somebody or writing about, you know, local politics. And um, that was pretty much all I did in the internship. Like it wasn't the kind of thing where you had to like go get coffee or, you know, um, yeah. scrub somebody's shoes, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I uh, yeah, everything I did was, was writing, editing, getting better. Yeah. I mean, I think it's helpful that I went through the same process so mm-hmm. I can, I can really can relate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I was in that internship for eight months. Um, it's supposed to be six. And at the end of it, they were like, do you, you want to keep going? And I was like, you know, for, I, I'm enjoying this like, not yeah. for too long. Cause you're not paying me, but Let's like say. I'll do it for a little bit. <laughs> so I, I did like two more months. I finished out that summer. Okay. Um, and then they hired me part time, like almost you know a couple weeks after that so it was, it was pretty quick that's awesome so that's yeah. you going in like almost a year you said two months after the eight months and from there you went to the triad yeah and that's obviously forever later yeah after three years yeah. i i quit and joined triad city beat before it officially launched and right I, and it helped launch it right i want to jump back a little bit though um to your home life with your parents and all what did they do my mom is a reading specialist okay. at an elementary school, so she helps 
catch kids up who are behind grade level, whether it's like a learning disability or English as a second language or, you know, whatever that whatever reason they've fallen behind the average for the other students in the grade. Mm-hmm. Um, they meet with her one on one to work on reading comprehension skills so that they can cool. catch up and not get left behind. Nice. Yeah. Um, and my dad, when I was a kid, was a, a hospital administrator. Yeah. And now he's a healthcare consultant and works independently. Wow. Um, and and actually, when I was a kid, my mom wasn't working full time. Um, she was mostly at home with with my sister and me, uh, and she was working as a poetry instructor part time. Oh, so and and did, yeah, did a couple things kind of on the side, but. Yeah. Now she's working. She went. She went back to school oh, after really? I, you know after yeah. after I went to college, or I guess while I was finishing college, and then after my mom went back and got her master's, which I I thought was pretty cool to yeah, at that at that age. That's to, really right. Yeah, dude. Shout out to mom for doing it. Yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> shout out to mom. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So some of that writing influence kind of maybe came from her a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I remember. Th- thinking poetry was really stupid as a kid. Um, <laughs> and as you can imagine, having a mom who, you know, was like teaching poetry classes and writing her own poetry, like that wasn't going to stand. Right. So um, I must have been in first grade or somewhere around there. Um, and I remember she gave me some poetry by Gwendolyn Brooks. Okay. Um, and the... The writing style was so different than anything I had experienced. I mean, I was still very young, but it was so different than anything I had come to think of as poetry, which was just, you know, flowery, rhyming language. And and when I say flowery, I mean, you know, (laughs) both as an adjective, but also literally like about flowers. Yeah. Um, So reading poetry that was about people's real experience and didn't feel cheesy, Mm -hmm. um, actually resonated with me pretty well. So I never dabbled in poetry or like thought I wanted to be a poet or anything, but I think that was my initial connection to writing or like thinking any any particular kind of writing was cool. Mm-hmm. I did read a lot as a kid, um, but mostly, I mean, when I was little, my creative outlet was drawing. I would like sit while my mom was cooking dinner and ask her to tell me, different things to draw, which were, you know, 90% of the time animals because I was a little <laughs> kid. And, you know, but I would just, you know, just she'd, she'd say like, penguin and then and then I'd be like, you know, a little while later, I'm done. She'd say a lion. And I would just, I would just sit there and draw. And I sucked. Yeah. Um, I did in like an after school cartooning program once, I remember. Still sucked. Um, <laughs> but always thought it was cool. Uh, but then once I got to like middle school, my main creative outlet was music. Um, okay. So I uh, ended up playing drums, um, played in a couple bands, yeah. have never been good. Um, <laughs> so it's a good thing I like punk music. Um, yes. And uh, so I fit right in. And, <laughs> uh, and I did do some writing in, in high school. Um, I was asked to be the editor of my school newspaper. Okay. Um by the faculty advisor. Here's the thing, though: the school newspaper didn't exist, 
Um, so, oh my gosh, are you creating it, that? Yeah, it was. We had a school newspaper like years before I was there, mm-hmm. and um, it had fallen off, and you know I had never even I'd never seen a copy as a student, right. and they were trying to get it going again, and I was asked to help be a part of that, and and we failed. I mean, we never put out a oh, single issue. Really? Yeah, so that that must have been my junior year of high school, mm-hmm. and the next year, I, I was doing that with one other student as a as like co-editors golly the two of us and and another friend of ours who's actually a professional journalist now okay. started our own underground student publication which was basically a zine um oh well, so not related to the school just kind of related to this. right oh, it was it was at school yeah everyone that produced for it were classmates of ours uh-huh. um but it was not like through the official channels. The the official school newspaper never existed when I was a student, oh <laughs> and maybe gosh. it did afterwards. Um, but we just put out like three zines, basically that were called the I think we called it the Student Underground or something like that. And uh, you know, it's got like me ranting about uh, politics in there, and it's got yeah. artwork by classmates of ours who actually knew what they were doing, and. Um, <laughs> I did a couple things like I mean I did that and I like put out a couple other crappy zines on my own. Yeah. In high school and I was loosely connected with folks who were doing some like independent media stuff that was related to social movements and like community justice work. Um and I started to care about journalism because I felt like causes and issues that I cared about as a high schooler mm-hmm. were not being covered or if they were, they were being they weren't being represented well. Um, I remember being quoted. I was at a protest, okay. and a reporter um, interviewed me and then quoted me and then spelled my name wrong. And I felt like didn't, didn't quote me well, right? <laughs> and and uh, that was kind of how I got into writing in college too. Like it was very adversarial, mm-hmm. you know, was, I would read something and then I would write a letter back in response to the article that ran saying like, this is trash. And here are the five reasons why. Oh my gosh. He's <laughs> trash. He's trashing these places, these people all throughout. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, I feel like my politics have often been oppositional. Um, my journalism comes out of like a, an anti-authoritarian kind of kind of streak of, you know, there are people that aren't being listened to at all, or there are stories that are not being told, or, mm-hmm. you know, there are things that are being represented as objectively presented, and they're not. Right. And so I think that it makes perfect sense. Like, looking back now, with hindsight, it's not surprising to me that I ended up doing alternative press say, right you seem like, seem like you started that in high school yeah but i didn't i didn't see that right you know like i only see that now looking back but as i went along it was just kind of something i did on the side that um, is awesome holy yeah. crap and it's crazy that you went through all throughout you know college and i'm thinking about that yeah and then it kind of came full circle i don't remember anyone ever asking me if i wanted to do it professionally suggesting that i should do it professionally um and I had a great mentor, the the faculty advisor for the student paper at, uh-huh. at, in college. Um, and obviously someone thought I should do something with it because they asked me to be the editor of a student newspaper yeah. that didn't exist in high school. I was like, because I was asked, like, how'd that come to be if you didn't really see your writing? But yeah. I guess, like, I mean, he was an English teacher. Right. He had seen so it he in was, class. Exactly. That's um, what I was getting ready. Yeah. Was next. But, um, 
but yeah i just like it honestly didn't cross my mind right that that was like a job that i could pursue and i think it's partly because i was so focused on wanting to be a community organizer mm-hmm. and like out there in the grassroots trying to make social change right um and i think it only really opened up once i experienced that realized it wasn't you know that i had glorified what that might be like and was trying to think of other ways that i could contribute to making a positive difference but that maybe weren't going to involve the same kind of involvement right yeah that's awesome so i want to jump to those two classes you did take at guilford Mm -hmm. how were those they were great yeah i mean they really were yeah so um my advisor who the the advisor for the guilfordian which is a student newspaper at Mm -hmm. guilford uh was jeff jesky and he taught both of the journalism classes um and he he was such an incredible teacher in general mm-hmm. um both just like as a person and and ability to motivate and connect with students um he he passed away relatively mm. recently and so like i i wish that more students were going to get to experience mm-hmm. um his guidance but um you know we were we were close enough that we became friends and like hung out one-on-one after i graduated several several times which is not super unusual for guilford um but but it's still i still feel like even though i had a lot of great um professors he stands out Mm -hmm. as one of the you know one of the best um i learned i mean i learned most of what i learned from journalism on the job and from my actual editors, right, um, and and through experience, but that really, even though I kind of talked about all this stuff I did in high school, like it didn't really begin until I met Jeff and he started showing me the basics. Like I needed world, to yeah. like back up and unlearn some things <laughs> <laughs> and start fresh. It's the best thing you're doing, kind of, is open your world to like, wow, this yeah. is actually I probably can pursue this, you know, mm-hmm. as a professional career, and that's cool how it kind of came around to. You know, if you're doing Triad City Beat. Yeah, if it hadn't been for him, I don't think I ever would have considered it. And also, he helped advocate for me to get that internship at Yes Weekly. So, I mean, I'm part of the reason I got the internship was his recommendation. And part of it also is that um, my, my future coworker had read articles that I had written for the student newspaper. Mm hmm at the time when they came out and mm-hmm. thought that they were good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was a, you were still so, so you he, know, amateur, but. right. But he was a, he was aware of some of the things I had written. And the only reason that I was able to get on like any like local journalists radar is through the training that my faculty advisor and, and professor had given me. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. That's, that's, it's crazy who helps you out, you know, in these journeys, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's sometimes you don't never, you never know what these people will really, would do to you, you know later on in the future it's like wow i'm happy i met that dude because mm-hmm. who knows where i'd be totally. so awesome segue into the tri-city beat so can you tell us like maybe how that started and what exactly it is yeah yeah so i'll start with the second question um triad city beat is a free alternative weekly newspaper um it's part of an alternative weekly network um of newspapers that exists around the country so um if you in in most major cities in America, you will find an alternative weekly, whether it's the Stranger in Seattle, 
Um, the one I had growing up in Boston was the Phoenix, which doesn't exist anymore, but mm-hmm. they, they, there's Dig Boston now. Um, Indie Week, in if, if people are in Raleigh, Durham area, like the oh, cool. I, I, Indie Week is the, uh, we're not as good as they are, but we're the, it's like the equivalent. <laughs> but it's we're, like the, we're in the, the same industry. Brother thing. Right. And we work with them sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, We'll, we'll we'll get there someday. They've been around for like thirty something years. Oh, um, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, that's so, nuts. So we got time. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, we cover news and culture. So um, when I joined the paper, I we and and because we cover the triad, we cover three different cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we started the paper, I was the Greensboro news reporter. My coworker covered. High Point and Winston-Salem News. And then I was also the food and booze writer, which were separate column, separate articles every week. Gotcha. And then I was writing one cover story a month, which is on anything and is much longer usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done those on Very music, yeah. uh, like affordable housing, really like anything. Man, that's um, cool. As long as there was a, a good story there, yeah. and um, and then I contributed on other like smaller items right throughout the paper. So I did that for several years um, as the associate editor, and then writing for those sections. Now I actually only work at the paper part time. I'm the managing editor, which means I oversee all of our freelancers and make sure that production happens on schedule. Um, to put the paper out every single week, and I'm still the food writer. I held on. You still do food, yeah. And booze? <laughs> uh, I don't do booze. Don't I gave that. Up. I gave up booze and I gave up news, um, but I do freelance and do write about booze and news for other outlets. I just don't do it every single week for for Triad City Beat. Right. Um, and then you also asked me like how it started. Yes. Yes. Um. So the three of us that founded. Um, tried City Beat and are still really at the core of the newspaper. We're all working together at Yes Weekly. Okay, um, gotcha. They had been together for since they had both been there since Yes Weekly started, mm-hmm. um, and had been working together for nine years at that at that point. And I had been working with them for three. And so when we started Tried City Beat, we all had considerable experience together Mm -hmm. we knew that we worked well as a team we liked each other um we had like a real an unwritten no bs policy where we would just (laughs) tell each other exactly what we were thinking and honest and when you're starting a business that is with other people i mean if you're doing it on your own i can't speak to that that's a totally different experience yeah but if you're starting a business that is going to be your sole source of income with other people, you gotta know them well. Yes, and that is the only reason that we're still around. Is that uh, we knew each other well, we knew we worked well together, and we figured out how to function under pressure when we disagreed in all kinds of different scenarios. Good. Um, so, in some ways, um, the it was a leap to start this newspaper and in other ways it was a no-brainer to me so um brian clary who's the publisher slash editor-in-chief of triad city beat Mm -hmm. had been my editor at yes weekly uh he had been laid off 
suddenly. Oh. Um, and Jordan and I, my other coworker, had basically been asked to do his work, to, oh, okay. to assume his workload. Cover his. And so. yeah, like no one was going to be hired to replace him, or at least not anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And that when when he was fired it it like broke up the band right (laughs) like the three of us had been a unit we worked well together um so to lose your boss who you like a lot and then also to be asked to To do half of his job for no additional pay and no title change right is is challenging to accept uh and and i did push for a raise and pushed for a title change, but it was more the way that it happened and feeling appreciated and um, just really thinking about like, what are the underlying uh, motivating factors for this business? Mm -hmm. So when all of that is to say that when Brian approached me and said, I'm going to start a newspaper, will you guys join me? I didn't have to think about yeah, it. Duh. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I took a pay cut. I took a bigger pay cut than I was expecting. Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't stoked about that then. Of course, like still not stoked about it. No. I don't want to pretend that, you know, it's like quit your job, start a business. It'll right. be great. Like it's, <laughs> it's rough. It's risky. Um, and it's definitely risky. And there have been plenty of times where I didn't think that we were going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there have been plenty of things that we've had to adjust in order to make it. Right. Um, and compromise with ourselves or with each other, or with our families, whatever. Um, but ultimately, it was, yeah, it was a no-brainer. And I would still absolutely go back and do it again. That's um, awesome. Because being able to have that level of control over your own destiny to an extent i mean we are still reliant on advertisers because our paper is free so we 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 need ads or we go under um and it is definitely a group effort and we couldn't do it without our several different freelancers definitely not our without our art director our interns or anyone else that make you know our sales team anybody Mm -hmm. that's part of that we also have people that just that donate money as part of like a sustainer program. Awesome. We couldn't do it without them either. Um, but, but ultimately, I mean, you, I'm not sure exactly where I was going with that, but, but, <laughs> but you get the idea. Yeah, for sure. And it's cool that that's happening because this is a great publication, but for the people who may be interested in starting something like this, yeah. can you maybe describe how, setting it all up was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was lucky in that I helped co-found the paper and did have a big hand in forming it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of those things were handled for me okay. by Brian because he he did spend several months working on getting it rolling before I joined. Okay, so like, yeah, a, a like, of... like he was like, I'm going to do this. And then he came and said, I'm ready. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, so, so when we jumped... There wasn't, like, I wasn't there for, like, a three-month build right. before we launched um, or anything like that. So he had done several different things, like writing a business plan, getting okay. incorporated with the state, like, kind of those, the 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 annoying details. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of which he still deals with. Like, he has become a web expert <laughs> just <laughs> out of necessity. Research. Like, he, he, he has, has to, to. Yeah. I mean, he he probably never thought that he was going to go this far into understanding digital marketing or understand, like, what is a DDoS attack and how do you stop it from happening and keep mm-hmm. your website running and um if your website loads slowly like what do you do Ooh, yes. and these kind of questions that you like don't even think about so like more to your question like if if someone is thinking about starting a business know that there are going to be lots of things that you can't account for mm-hmm. um but walk through those specifics as much as you can with people who have done it before like like actually sit down and talk about how you go through those different things and one of the resources that we had that was really helpful is that we're located in the Nussbaum Center for Entrepreneurship which is basically a huge building that helps startups get going oh wow and so the folks that run the Nussbaum Center looked over our business plan and made sure it sounded feasible um, thought about whether our revenue model made any sense. Yeah. Did we do any kind of market research? Um, how are you thinking about branding? How are you going to market? How many copies of the paper are you going to print? And how are you going to distribute them? And wow. all those kind of questions yeah. um, got asked early. And I've never bought a house, but I imagine it's somewhat similar in yep. that if you've never done it before, you have no idea what to do. But if you talk to friends or mentors or whoever have been through a similar process, like you're not going to check every box. Like you may still buy a house and the basement floods um, or the the windows are messed up or you didn't realize there was, you know, the septic tank needed to be replaced. Mm-hmm. But, but if you talk to people who have done it before, like really in depth, talk to them, um, you can prevent a lot of that. Exactly. Um, I think it's important to be realistic about who you're trying to reach, okay. um, who is going to be a part of your team, how much time you have to dedicate to it, and... Um, and to me, one of the big questions is, you know, is this going to be your full-time source of income or is this a side hustle? Part thing. Yep. Um, there's a huge difference. Right. Um, and to the extent that you can test it out or pilot it ahead of time, it really depends on what exactly you're doing, mm-hmm. um, if how slowly you can build versus, like, showing up at market with a finished product. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, try to try to figure some of those things out. Um, beforehand if possible um, and if it's and, and be as specific as you can you That's know whether it, if this is true for a publication or anything but I mean if you say um, our audience is you know people that really care about what's going on in the city trash that's, that's vague a, yeah, that's, start over yeah that's uh, not specific at all <laughs> right if you say um you know, if you say that you are going to drive the delivery route, which we did 
I mean, they're still doing it. I'm so glad I'm not anymore, but I did it for two and a half oh, years. Oh, did you really? Every, did more, every, every week? Every Wednesday. Oh, man. I, I delivered papers in, in Winston-Salem. Um, <laughs> but you got to think about, like, okay, that's fine, but did you calculate what the cost of the wear and tear on your car is going to be and how much gas is going to cost each week? Yes. Every single week? Yep. Um, what are you going to do with the papers that don't get picked up you're gonna recycle them right but like where yep because at the beginning you're gonna have a lot <laughs> you know our return rate is much lower now but at the beginning no one knew who we were so no one was picking this? it up right yeah. yeah um i mean that's assuming someone's going to go to print i i would imagine that anyone that hears this that's thinking about starting a publication is going to be strictly online oh or in a podcast format or just something else that's much easier and a lower cost to distribute which i would encourage um but think about what your revenue stream is going to be think about like who's going to sell the advertising mm-hmm. um or if you're going to have a paywall how are you going to convince people that it's worth paying for your content and with a publication or any business like what is your unique value proposition what do you offer that everyone else doesn't? So, if, like, if you're a photographer, like, what's your style? What's your brand? What's your voice? And how are you different than the 50 other kids that graduated from a photo program every single year? Exactly. Um, exactly. Probably more than 50, but. There's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ton of them around yeah. here. But that's cool, though. I'm glad you're saying this because you hear people wanting to start these things up almost every day. Yeah. And they don't take all that into consideration and it fails. Yeah. You know, so I'm happy you kind of brought that real life, real world kind of like, you know, thing to the plate. Cause it's like, maybe like, okay, maybe I got to go back and, you know, get that business plan or right. how am I going to make money off this? Right. Or, you know, who's going to be on my team? You know, cause it all sounds yeah. great when you're talking about, you know, on paper, it's like, man, it's going to be great. Right. You're like, man, it's actually going to take some work. And you're so. gonna need a, and you're gonna need like plans A through M. <laughs> exactly. I mean, not just, not just B and C. But I'm not saying don't do it. Right. Of course um, not. Of course. I'm saying if you're gonna do it, especially if you're gonna try and do it as a source of income, especially if that's your main source of income, there's a lot more work than you realize that needs to go into the front end, and you need to raise more startup funds than you think. Right. We did not raise as much startup funds as we had originally aimed to Mm -hmm. and we just kind of said whatever pull the trigger let's go Mm -hmm. um and we probably should have waited to raise more capital first um which is not easy to do i mean especially for a product that doesn't exist to convince people to invest a certain (laughs) amount of trust they have to have in you you know for to be you know worth their money but we did a kickstarter after six months and um raised 12 grand so, wow. I mean, you can, you can do it. If you have something valuable to offer, you know, your community, your friends will come out to support you. However, they can. I mean, it might be five bucks, but that's awesome. Um, it'll it it does add up, and it and it can definitely help. But I mean, if if someone's gonna try and do something on the side, though, just kind of like more casually, like oh, just just do it tomorrow. Oh yeah, like, like yeah, just, just get started. Just try it. Make a get a domain name or yeah. something. And just like just throw it out there. Yeah, because I think you can. On the flip side, I think you can overplan and mm-hmm. stress out too much mm-hmm. and um, put put off your ambitions pretty easily. Right, uh, and convince yourself that now's not a good time. 
and especially if this isn't going to be somebody's primary source of income like just get it you got to get it going right and put one foot in front of the other and you can figure out the rest later but that's not just get something out up there like start exactly commit to some sort of like i'm gonna work on this every sunday for an hour or what you know whatever that's crazy. I'm yeah. sure that's how a lot of these major publications who are still around today, that's probably kind of maybe how it started. Just like, oh, fuck around, make, you know, just do this every now and then, throw it out. Then, you know, you kind of get, you know, momentum and blah, blah, blah. Then maybe you're able to quit your job and, you know, it just takes time. Either way, it's going to take some time. Right. Um, that's awesome. But I want to jump in. Tribe City is great. I want to kind of get off that a little bit and go more towards you. Cool. Um, so you said you're working there part-time and you're also freelancing. Mm-hmm. So what other outlets are you working for? So I'm actually, my primary source of income and my primary job is doing similar work. It's writing and editing and some social media, which I was doing before at the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's for a nonprofit called the Center for Creative Leadership here in Greensboro. Okay. And I'm on the marketing team. And that's what a lot of journalists do is they, oh, they wow. quit journalism and they go into marketing or PR. Um, because the money's better, um, you know. There's not, there is not enough support for journalism, despite how important it is, and there's not as much money to be made in it. There never has been, but it's definitely declined. Was it on decline? Yeah, now, yeah. And, and so um, I really enjoy working there. I love the people that I work with, mm-hmm. and it's flexible and it pays me a lot more. Right. So. That allows me to continue to pursue Tried City Beat and the other freelance work that I do. So um, my main like freelance writing gig is uh, I write pretty consistently for Winston-Salem Monthly Magazine. Okay. Um, and then just kind of I'm in the phase now where I'm trying to get my name in more publications. Right. So I'm not, except for Winston-Salem Monthly and my like regular food stuff for TCB, I'm trying to pitch to new outlets. So, right. and I don't have that much time to do it. So I don't, I don't have that many pitches out there. Between triad and this, you're probably swamped. Yeah. Um, and you know, like being, I'm basically a full time freelancer. Right. right. I mean, I, I have two jobs, but they are both part time, and I'm a contract employee at at the nonprofit. And and the hours are kind of flexible. And when, I mean, I don't know what other people's experience is, but my sense is that this is true for a lot of other people with similar lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Is that when you have when you're given that kind of creative freedom, it's really easy to beat yourself up for not working all the time because right. you're. It's like, well, I'm on my own schedule, so I could be. I could put more time into this now and and it's I never really had this problem before but I experience now the the dilemma of should I make plans with friends this week or do I need should to I grind something out yeah right and it's hard not to feel like those professional goals and those like personal quality of life things are in conflict with each other but um, I'm pretty consistently pitching freelance stuff. Um, I This year I wrote for a couple outlets that I hadn't written before. So I wrote for Indie Week in, in Raleigh and Durham that I mentioned. Um, I wrote a piece for Fusion, which is online and based in 
or I was working with someone based in their New York office. They're technically headquartered in Florida. Okay. And um, I just finished a piece for Scalawag Magazine, which is based in Durham. Um, okay. And I have a couple pitches out there now that are about everything from, you know, eating barbecue to <laughs> city workers organizing a union to, yeah. <laughs> you know, fun plans to do this fall. Like, um, I'm, I'm trying to aim for, aim higher and aim for a variety. Um, right. Yeah. I was going to ask if you want to go to maybe some, you know, huge publications, like, I don't know, like maybe music for the fader or like, you know, just different, bigger magazines or whatever. Have you thought yeah. about that? Or what are those if you're thinking about that? So a couple years ago, I worked as a freelancer for the New York Times. Oh, okay. Um, wow. They worked on a, they wrote a, a really excellent article about policing in Greensboro. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't write anything in the article, but I worked as a freelancer researching for them. So digging through court records, sitting in court, I knocked on someone's door wow. um, and just in some ways was kind of like a liaison for, you know, as someone on the ground here, the reporter was based and lives in New York. Um, so she came down here frequently, but they needed someone here who could just, you know, say like Primary tomorrow, go look this up. Yeah. Um, and that, I don't want to say that that fell into my lap because I got that opportunity because of the work I had done previously yeah. and because people who knew the work I had done put her in touch with me and they said, you got to talk to him yeah. because of, because the work he's That's been doing. Um, but in, but in other ways, like this totally fell into my lap. Like I wasn't like looking for it and that experience, like, I mean, the New York times and the Washington post are like the peak of what I do, right, I mean, maybe like the new, the New Yorker magazine, but like, I mean, there are only a couple that are like that top tier for journalism and having that experience made me realize that I shouldn't aim low, oh, you gosh, know, like yeah. that, that I was, what was holding me back. I mean, obviously like a lack of time, <laughs> but other than that was like my own lack of believing in myself like I didn't think that I could do something like that and I haven't done something like that since then mm -hmm. but I realized that like I have to aim higher if I want to land higher like yeah. it's not um I'm more inclined to do the like gradual build approach right. um it, it felt almost like cutting in line to get it to work on that piece because I was about to say that had to be like, like a <laughs> like when you heard that or you know that fell into your lap. I bet you were like, "What?" Yeah, I flipped out. <laughs> like, are you talking to me? Yeah. Um, yeah, I tried to play crazy. it really cool, but, but yeah, that sounds, um, yeah, that sounds cool. I guess I'll do that. Yeah, I, I could probably find the time. Like, well, maybe <laughs> that's very yeah. awkward. That's very awesome that you kind of after that made the realization like I could actually do. You know, work for big company or big, big yeah. publications like it's not unrealistic. Yeah, like I hadn't even tried. Like, right. it's not that I had tried and people were telling me no. Like, I wasn't trying, and that was my fault. Yes, I I was mentally holding myself back. Um, now, that was almost two years ago. I'm not like since then. I'm not like this like raging success machine or anything like that. Right. Um, but I have had more professional success in part from 
just putting myself out there and believing that I could do it and being willing to be told no. And, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to pretend that like, all you have to do is put yourself out there and try and you can climb the ladder and achieve the American <laughs> dream. Like, I don't believe that. Um, but I do think that I, re I realized that I could achieve more and um, like progress towards my goals more by trying harder. Right. And believing in myself, which, you know, not that I didn't believe in myself at all, but like it's validating to have an experience like that where you realize that like someone else thinks that you're good enough. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. And actually kind of a good segue because I'm wondering how are you pitching your work to these different publications? Are you like reaching out to like, you know, editor in chiefs? Are you reaching out to just maybe a, their HR or something like that? Like you're sending your writing examples or your portfolios. How are you doing that for the people maybe curious about that? It's complicated. Yeah, um, sure. I've, way to answer it. I've realized that, um, at least for journalism, um, that networking is so much more important than I ever realized. Yes. And certainly than it should be. Mm -hmm. um, I am fortunate in that I'm a pretty outgoing social person, and mm -hmm. I don't struggle to do that. Right. Um, it comes pretty naturally to me. Um but I think that I think it's totally unfair and backwards that that's the way it's set up. Um, that said, once I realized that, I started working hard to network and make more connections. So several of the freelance pieces I've done, a lot of them actually, are people that I made personal connections with first. Right. And once they knew me and were familiar with my work to an extent, it was so much easier for you to, to pitch them something. Yeah. Um, so that's not, tr I mean, I've definitely done the journalism equivalent of cold calling and just oh, wow. sent, sent emails to people that I'd never met, you know, that I had no connection to and just said, here's an idea. Here's why I think it would be good for your publication. You know, kind of like one paragraph on mm -hmm. that. And then another paragraph, here's who I am that's crazy. introducing me pulling out all the credentials I can. Yeah. <laughs> and um, some people will tell you to include links to your work at the yeah. same time. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I just offer that I could include, that I could provide them oh, wow. if needed. I've never been asked for them. Oh, wow. Um, now, I, again, I'm not doing that much freelance, so I'm sure other freelancers have different experience. But for me, um. I have the benefit of sending this from my work email that has an email s signature mm -hmm. that says that I'm the managing editor of a newspaper. Yep. And I have some pretty solid publications that when I'm describing myself, I say, you know, I've freelanced for Our State Magazine, Creative Loafing Charlotte, Indie Week. Like, depending on who I'm pitching to, those names mean a lot. Mm -hmm. And so in journalism... Editors are looking for three main things from a writer. The most important is that you need to turn stuff in on time. Yep. The, yes. My boss likes to say the deadline is what makes it journalism. Like this is, it is a creative endeavor, but it is, you know, you do not have a, a month to kind That's of nurse is. a piece. You get um, it quick. Right. <laughs> um, so deadline number one. Um, the quality of the writing 
uh, number two, and then three is like having a good enough idea in the first place. Yeah. Uh, right. But it kind of like you'd think that the the order would be the opposite. Like mm-hmm. you start with an idea and then you, you kind of work. And then you work on and you write it and it's good and then you turn it in on time. But it's really like for editors, it's the opposite. And so if I say, I mean, it's true, but when I tell people I've worked for these outlets, they know that that means that I turn stuff in on time. time. That's probably the most, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, the most important thing, really, really, it is. Uh, you know, simple as it is. Yeah. And, uh, and depending on what idea I'm sending them, I'll often tell them why I should write, get to write about that. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm pitching a beer idea, um, I'm saying, I used to be the booze columnist, and I've, written, I've done freelance pieces about alcohol for blah, and have been interviewed about booze by blah and blah, and that means something. Right. So um, it's really hard to get into journalism if you haven't been published yet, and that's one of the reasons oh, we yeah. run the internship program is that it gives people an opportunity to get published in a real publication and then they can use that and that's like the stamp of approval and um we've had interns go on to to do all kinds of freelance stuff so um but but if if you don't have that like even having worked at a college paper is like hard to get real freelance stuff that's like Working for a college newspaper is basically the like typical thing that sets you up for a, a, an unpaid internship, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and then unpaid internship is what sets you up for Hopefully something else, something... or maybe you go to graduate school for journalism, um, right. and that sets you up. I think I think graduate school journalism programs prepare people excellently for working in the field professionally, and undergrad degrees typically don't. Right, um, it's just not enough training. Gosh, I'm sure the training is ridiculous when you get to the graduate level. Yeah, I'm sure you're doing this insane stuff. It's <laughs> probably pulling so many hours, you know, of research and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I'm sure it sets you up very but, well for it. But for the real life experience, I wouldn't know because <laughs> I, I haven't been. My coworker went to Columbia J School, which is the best or one of the best in the country. Wow. Um, but and again, I have an undergraduate degree in history. Um, that's very true which that's you know good. there there's uh there's definitely some some privilege in walking into the room as like a white dude who uh, says like i don't have any formal training in this but i i do think that journalism is one of the arenas where if you can write well and you can do things on time even if you have no real training, you can learn a lot of it on the job. Exactly. Um, it's just hard to get those opportunities as a freelancer at yeah. first. Um, but then, like, one begets another, which it just kind of rolls. That's awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, man. So, jumping kind of more to you, um, the creative inspiration that you have. Um, any writers or journalists that you look up to or maybe anybody else in a different creative field that kind of moves you? Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of people do. Yeah. I, I I tend to think of people that I've actually worked with, um, me and or like met in person. Yeah. Um, that's more when I, I guess that's partly like where it becomes real. Yeah. Um, and where I 
like feel that like sense of awe yeah. <laughs> for them. Like, oh, so, my God. <laughs> yeah. So like the first people come to mind are like people that have trained me. So I did um, an investigative journalism training um, through some folks at the Ida B. Wells Society at Wake Forest earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ron Nixon, who is a reporter for the New York Times, was one of the people that led that training. And, um, you know, there are folks involved who are from ProPublica and all kinds of other like big journalism outlets but um like he stands out to someone first in my mind um and then my former mentor uh you know the the college professor jeff jesky who i had um other other teachers that i've had absolutely Um, but then i think about like people that are doing things that i want to be doing um and they're they're actually I would like to be doing more with audio. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I have friends that work at WFTD, the public radio station here that I like look up to and like aspire to do more work similar to what they're doing. And then there are a lot of podcasts that I listen to that I'm just like, these people are totally badass. And yeah. like, you know, um, this woman, Tina Antolini, used to run this podcast called Gravy for the Southern Foodways Alliance. And they did <laughs> so many cool stories about food in the South and, like, how that intersects with politics. And, um, I mean, she is a fantastic storyteller. Okay. Um, and so, like, I would just, I ha- have plenty of memories of just, like, sitting at home, like, in the backyard <laughs> or on the couch or whatever and listening to it and just thinking, like, this is so cool. Um, <laughs> Gravy. Yeah. That sounds so awesome. Yeah, I listen yeah. to that one. Gravy is a great podcast, and especially, like, the – she's not there anymore. Um, right. But the older episodes are obviously still available. Um, I went to um, – I went through the certificate program at – Duke's Center for Documentary Studies, mm-hmm. and I focused in audio there. Um, and I had two teachers repeatedly. Um, so every all the teachers I had there were fantastic. And like, it's a Center for Doc Studies is really cool because it's pretty cheap to go as an adult student. Like, you can go as an undergrad or or a master student, but you can also just do what I did and like show up and pay like two hundred dollars and take a class. That's kind of um, tight. It's very cool. Um, That's dope. And there, it's set up too. So like a lot of the classes I took were like just one weekend, which I don't live in Durham. Like that was oh a big help gosh. to just like roll into town for a weekend, take a class, and I was done. So, um, I took a couple audio classes with. A woman named Jenny Marsh, and I took, um, or March, sorry, um, and I took a, several others with uh, a woman named Phoebe Judge, mm-hmm. and she taught a class. She t- taught the first audio class I took, and she, I took three with her actually, but she taught one um, called, that, that was basically like how to create a podcast. And after taking that class, I was like, man, this is like, I think I want to do this. Yeah. Like I think, I, <laughs> which is like very, I, one of the reasons I'm glad that I can like sit here with you and do this and, yeah, this so and cool. do stuff with Amplifier because like podcasts are such a good way to tell stories. Yes, um, yes for sure. But Phoebe is um, the host of a podcast called Criminal, which I also think is incredible. Oh, um, yes. I've seen that. Yes. Yeah. So there are, there are like, there are a lot of people that are doing really awesome podcasts and I'm just like, damn, like Al Letson at reveal. It's <laughs> like that dude seems so fucking cool. Like that's a job I would want to have. Or 
Um, I listen to another round, which is a Bud, BuzzFeed podcast. And oh, okay. the women who do, do that are so, so interesting. Um, and I listen to another podcast called Code Switch that NPR does that okay. I think is really great. Um, so those ones that I just rattled off are probably my favorite podcast. But, I mean, there are a lot of other journalists that I look up to. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to not try and list them. All. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> a lot. So you're inspired by a lot of different things, which is yeah, yeah. freaking awesome. Um, so you mentioned you want to do a lot of different things. But at the end of it all, what would you really want to dial into, you know? mm at the end of what would you be your career like right. dream goal like okay this is it I've plateaued this is what <laughs> this is what I want to do for the rest of my time. See, that's really hard for me to answer because I don't know that there is something that I want to do for the rest of my time, and it's Fair. not just because I haven't figured it out yet. But I think what's most important to me is telling good stories and telling stories that matter. Right, and the format and the publication are in some ways secondary mm-hmm. to that. Um, but I like the idea of having the other elements of my career change. Right. Like I don't, I don't, I think that for a lot of reporters, you're, your straightforward answer would be like land at the New York times or the Washington post, like the end. Um, And I don't think that there is a, that that's true for me. Like to me, I think doing something like this that is creatively rewarding requires a constant evolution, a constant checking in of like, is this still what I love? Um, how could this be better? How could it be different? So I definitely, I, I'd love to work full time on a podcast at some point yeah. and have that be my job. Um, especially one that got to tell like one in-depth story per week or oh, whatever the, whatever the cycle yeah. was, you know, I, I like the idea of not having like 20 things kicking around in my head and just like really honing in and then moving on to something else. Um, but I also like writing is in a lot of ways more natural to me. So like, I wouldn't want to give that up entirely. I love the process of coming up with ideas and talking to other people more than I like actually like pulling the finished product together. Like some writers, some writers get into writing because they just like really love the experience of like sitting down to write. I am not that writer. Um, <laughs> I, I like the experience of like sitting across the table from you and getting to know you right. and learning about like what makes you tick or, or why you care about a certain issue, like why you're pissed off or happy or whatever and, <laughs> and, and getting to that um, or trying to, whether it's on an individual level or like a systemic level, but like that's what I find more rewarding. Okay. And then the like, sitting down and doing audio editing to like finish a piece or like to getting copy edits back, like is just not exciting to me. And <laughs> that might be true You're for like, like a lot of people, but there are cool. definitely writers that are like more literary than I am that I feel like the, the writing is its reward. And to me, the writing is like what you have to do in order to get to get paid to be on the golf course in the morning. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's cool that, yeah. 
you know, you don't really have a mentally end goal, but like is you know that you can go so many different routes. Yeah. And that is really cool. I hope you do a podcast one day. I hope you end up doing one because I would cool. love to listen to it. <laughs> Thanks, I, man. I, I get to see this doing, you know, getting what people, what made people tick and, you know, really getting in deep yeah. on just some issues that I think would be freaking awesome. So you should definitely consider doing that for me. I'd like to. Just I'll do me. it just for you. Let's call it Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and on this week of Daniel... We delve into the other side of Daniel's activities. Um, I think part of that, though, is that like my parents both reinvented themselves in the in their fifties. Yeah, and seeing them change careers, seeing my mom go back to school, I realized like, oh, I don't have to have this figured out right now. Nope, I don't need to know. Like by the, I'm t- turning thirty in like two months, and I think some people panic when they get to milestones like that um, or even like the minute they graduate college, like, Oh shit, what am I going to do? Yep. And I don't feel that way. I didn't feel that way when I graduated school. I don't feel that way now. I know part of that is the privileges that I have and like the safety net that I have that there's like not, you know, I, I know that I have something I can fall back on, but part of it is also a, a mindset of, you know, this is just the next step. Like, I don't have to know what forever is right now. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm not focused on 10 years from now. Right. I'm definitely thinking about where I want my career to go in the next year or three years. But Short the idea that I could even predict, I mean, when I reflect on the last year of my life, whether it's this year or if I did it five years ago, I generally could not have predicted everything that, all even all the big things that were going to happen in that year, right? Even if it was just professionally, couldn't have predicted it. Um, so the idea of trying to predict where, what's going to happen in ten years, or what's going to make me happy, then is very like hard to wrap my mind around. So, I think partly my parents' example told me like, no, just figure out right now. Like, keep, keep in touch with yourself. Like, make yeah. sure you're, you're not like, uh, suppressing your your feelings about work or anything, but. Um, you're never going to have all the answers and it's a process. Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's awesome that your parents are doing that and definitely shout, uh, shout out to them um, for, you know, not caring about their age and just <laughs> doing what, you know, they want to freaking do. And it's true. I mean, people graduate, I graduated. I'm still kind of in that state now. I'm kind of like coming back down of like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm 26. Like, what am I going to do? Like, right. you know, I don't want to be where I am, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you have, you, I mean, you have time. I mean, yeah. hopefully, um, but yeah, I think it's cool to take it day by day. I mean, it really is. You mm-hmm. know, just stay true to yourself and just do your, your your diligence and just you know it'll it'll work out. Um, so that's awesome. So my favorite question, uh, with all your experience and all you've done to get this this point in your life, which is a lot. This has been a, such a great interview because I know I didn't really know you before this. So this is like <laughs> it's like Eric's like the coolest dude. Um, <laughs> seriously, this is like you've done a lot of things. Mm. And that's no, I just awesome. talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your advice for the people, especially who wants who want to do journalism, and but to all creatives, what's your advice for them on what they should do and to get into where they want mm-hmm. to be? I think it's important to figure out what your goals are, right. even if they're just really, really short term. Um, and to figure out a practical way to get there and to give yourself the space to do it, right? 
um, I have put myself in the position before where it was like, I'm going to do this, you know, every once a week or this every month to like take these steps to get there. And then I look back and I'm tracking it and I'm not doing it. Right. Um, and I'm doing something like I'm not I'm not just like uh, I forgot to put any effort in this week, um, but right. I'm not hitting my goals right. sometimes. And I've put myself in the position of where I beat myself up for that. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't actually think that's productive. I think a lot of people, creative people, especially, but people in general. But when people are pursuing something creative, they're frequently their own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And. Um, I think it is good to have high standards and I think it's good to push yourself. Um, but if you don't let yourself be human and breathe and live, you're never going to get there. You're not going to enjoy it. You're going to get there and you're going to realize you hate it. Um, so, you know, presumably you're pursuing something creative because you enjoy it. Right. Right. Like you no one does this for the money. <laughs> you can't. You should like, be just for the money. Right. And so, like, don't lose the joy in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you, if you are, you know, banging your head against the wall so hard trying to get somewhere and you're not enjoying it, like, consider other options. And that could be a whole lot of things. Like, for me, it meant last year realizing that I was going to do journalism part-time and work at a nonprofit part-time so that I could have enough money to not worry about my bills, to to have health care. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, yeah. and to, like, go out to dinner sometimes. Like, I've been putting off trips to go see some friends for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally took, like, I, I flew out to see some of my friends in Denver a couple months ago. And... Um, I took a trip with my girlfriend recently and like those are things I would have either not had the money to do or not allowed myself to do um, before because I felt like I needed to be like working harder to pursue my creative goals. Right. And that's the point where you start to be your own enemy and, and get in your own way and you, you don't enjoy it. It becomes a chore and, um, so trying to, yeah, to make sure that you can maintain the joy in it, I think is one of the most most important things. Mm-hmm. Be open to new opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I said it before, but networking is so important. Um, yes. So, and, and it's it's important for opening doors, but it's also important for learning from other people who have gone before you and have done this already. Um, I've spent a lot of time talking to journalists who have been doing this longer than me to gain their insights and like understand and connect. And uh, the first couple of years that I was a journalist, I didn't know any other journalists except for my immediate coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that felt pretty isolating. And I just straight up reached out to other local writers and said, like, I really like the thing you just wrote. I don't know any other writers <laughs> in town. Like, I know this is awkward, but like, would you be up for like grabbing coffee sometime? And yeah. I and I specifically did it with other young writers that like I I knew were around my age. Um, but that's how I started to develop some of my first real professional connections. And like, plus I like made new friends. Um, that's part of your but but like I was part. yeah I was like learning from people that like 
we're having different experiences, but we're doing similar things. And like being able to, to, to talk to them about that has been right. like so useful. I mean, I was talking to a, a, a freelance writer I know earlier today and she was asking me like, how did I like the experience of freelancing for a certain publication and like, you know, wanted to know about that because she was going to pursue it. And I have done the same thing to her before where I was like, you know, you, you write for Vice a lot. Like, <laughs> I'd like to write for Vice. No, That'd be cool. Like, gosh, can, yes. <laughs> can, can you introduce me to somebody? Like, yes. what's up? So like people that are fine, like find your people that will yeah. kind of roll with you and, and help you open, open doors and you can, you can do the same thing for them. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a kind of a ongoing thing I say to my homies who are in it, new and old, is that you're not going to get there alone. Mm-hmm. It's good to have a network. It's good to have a community that you can kind of feed off of. For sure. Um, to get there. So I'm happy you said that because there's a lot of people I think who are either they're scared to reach out to people who mm-hmm. are doing cool stuff or they're too proud. Totally. And I've been both. Right. I mean, right. I can relate to both of those feelings. Right. <laughs> it's like you got to kind of break out of that because honestly, for you to move forward, unless you hit some gold mine, you get an awesome job and, you know, whatever, which usually does not happen. Um, you definitely need to be open to working with others and asking advice and not being afraid to, I mean, also fail. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Anything else? No, I'm just like, I mean... For the same reasons I just said, like, it's important to do all those things, like, are the same reasons I'm, like, really glad to be sitting here with you and talking about this, because I think what y'all are doing is fantastic. Like, it's different than what I'm doing, but, like, that makes it all the more interesting. And it's, I know that I just talked about myself and I wasn't asking you questions, (laughs) but it still, it still feels good to, like, sit down and connect with someone else who, who appreciates and can understand where it's coming from. So I'm glad that you know, I'm glad to be here, and also just in general, apart from me, I'm glad that you're doing this podcast. Thank you so much, and shout out to Jacob too. Yeah, recording it, He's the man, <laughs> the man, the quiet man in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but awesome, awesome, cool, and two things, two last things. Um, do you have maybe a? Well, I guess I was just waiting to try to see me because I guess you don't have a website of your stuff. Do you? Is that like a thing? I do. Yeah. Dude, okay. Oh, yeah, dude. Don't underestimate slap me. me. Slap, slap, me <laughs> slap me in the face. He was like, dude, shut up. I have my own shit. No. <laughs> cool, cool. So what is <laughs> so what is that website then? Um, my website is uh Eric Ginsburg.com, which is G I N S B U R G. If you forget, it's the same as R B G, the Supreme Court Justice. You can just look it up. Oh. No relation, but just that's <laughs> the spelling is on point. Um and my Twitter and Instagram are the same thing, but instead of a dash, it's an underscore. So Eric, at Eric underscore Ginsburg. Do it. Yes. Awesome. So we'll have those in the description. And also, try at City Beat. Um, maybe for some people who were looking for the internships. Um, for sure. How can we get um, that happening? Reach out to me. Reach out to the <laughs> Eric Ginsburg. Is that an email? Yeah. It's a, it's a mouthful. Oh, but a mouthful. It, it, it's Eric at triad-city-beat. Dot com, which our website is triad-city-beat.com. Okay, but, so. I mean, Google the newspaper's name. Yes, triad Go to the about page. Click on me. Yes, click on That's beautiful easy. Eric. <laughs> is there a picture of you? There is a picture of me. Beautiful Eric's face. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> I'm happy he's here. Someday <laughs> I will have a beard like yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> no, that's probably true. I can't grow one. <laughs> But, dude, thank you so much. This yeah, has been thank you. so thank you cool. Both. 
and I'm the first writer journalist we've ever had. Hopefully, more of many. So, guys, please hit me up. Um, but yes, dude, thank you. This yeah. has been great, and he obviously he does a lot of work with um, bandwidth. Yeah. So our, our amplifier's other podcast, so you can hear him on there as well. Um, actually, he's recently put out an episode not three weeks ago. Sounds right. Something like that. It's been two weeks two. ago. Yeah. So check that out on bandwidth. Um, but yeah, this has been awesome. I learned a lot, and Jacob learned a lot, and it's great. It's a free pizza. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Hey guys, Daniel here, your host of the Free Pizza Podcast. If you like what you just heard, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on the podcast app. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for upcoming episodes.